Welcome to the Mosaic Church Podcast, where we share with you the message of hope and love that lies at the core of the Christian faith. Our weekly sermons delve into the teachings of the Bible and how they can impact our daily lives, inspiring us to journey together towards a deeper understanding of God's infinite love. Join our community of believers as we embrace the power of faith and embark on a transformative spiritual journey. Mosaic Church in Mableton, Georgia exists to lead people to an authentic relationship with Jesus Christ to help them change the world. Now, please enjoy this message from Pastor Broderick Santiago, lead pastor of Mosaic Church. Welcome. I'm so glad that you all are here. We're starting a brand new series today, and it's entitled uh, Greater Than. You know, in the 1700s, there was a guy who wrote a song. This guy was a, um, a former slave trader. Uh, he, he was uh, a bit of an atheist, if you will. He joked about Christians, and, 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 the, and the song he wrote you know, y'all might remember it as a amazing grace. G- give him a little bit of that for me, King David. Uh-huh. Take him to church. Everybody can sing that. And not, not, that's your dad right there. You ain't lying, bro. Nobody, nobody, not everybody can sing that because some of us are still walking blindly. And, and it's amazing that, that when, I, when I did the research about this particular song and discovered who wrote it, amazing grace, how sweet the sound. I saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found. This guy was a slave trader. Now, now he, he, was a, he didn't come from a family that didn't believe. He came from a family of believers. I believe his father was, was, a, was a minister. His mother, I believe, was a, an evangelist or something like that. He came from believers, but somehow, some way, he strayed away from the church and, 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 and became a slave trader. And at one point, their boat capsized. And it was in those moments that he began to call upon God and he realized his name was John Newton. He realized that, wow, in all of this, I was writing poems to talk badly about God. I was dissing God. I had given up on God. I had turned my back. You still saved a wretch 
like me. A wretch is someone that has hate in their heart. Y'all remember the word wretched from school, right? Uh, to, to, to hate. And so he, he was a person of great hate toward God, uh, a person of great hate toward humanity because he slayed, he sold people who were human. And he says, God, you would still find it to extend your love to me. I can't keep it to myself, and since I can write bad about you, let me write a song that talks good about you. And so he wrote Amazing Grace, the most recognized song in the world, regardless of your faith, regardless of your, 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 your language. This is the most recognized spiritual song in the entire world. And that's what I want to kind of talk to you all about today. You can go, brother. I mean, you're more than welcome to stay if you want, man. We might end up having church here after all. But that's what I want to talk to you all about. Is what is grace. And, and accepting it and acknowledge, acknowledging it. How it can transform your life to the point where you do something that outlives you forever. Like this song amazing grace you all don't have notes today because the holy spirit wants you all to get something very important in you in this room today and there may be some people struggling what grace is really like there may be some people in this room today who 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 may be just like that song not once blind but still blind and can't see the hope that lies in front of them the blessings that God has already given them, the hope of their, for their future. There may be some people who still are walking today in this room right now with hatred in their heart for their fellow man, regardless of their religious beliefs, regardless of their culture or race. There may very well be some people in here with unforgiveness in their soul because somebody has hurt them and they're not really completely aware of this wonderful gift that God gives us freely called grace. And, 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 and I'll tell you something. I did not want to preach about grace in November. I did not. There, there's other things that I like to talk about to prep us for what's coming up in the next year. But the Holy Spirit says, Broderick, you need to talk about grace. Grace is what your church needs to hear. Grace is what the people that I ask you to shepherd need to hear today. And I'm like, why, God? He said, well, it starts with you. You need to forgive. You need to live in grace. You need to accept grace. I know you're not perfect. I, I know that you know that I know that you're not perfect, but you need to embrace the fact that I've forgotten about your sins. I've looked beyond that. I've put you in a position of influence where I need you to first and foremost accept grace. Now you can preach this sermon about grace and it'll fall on deaf ears until you embrace it first, son. So today, if y'all don't mind being my audience, I'm going to preach to me. And if, and if I say something, that's good for you, amen. But a lot of what I'm going to say has a lot to do with me and embracing this thing called grace. What, what, what is grace, Pastor B? 
Well, we, we're very familiar with the definition that we've heard. If you've been in church long enough, even if you just got here, uh, you've heard people say uh, it is God's unmerited favor. God's unmerited favor. Well, well that, that, that still requires further definition, uh, Pastor B. Uh, what is unmerited favor? Uh, unmerited means that you don't earn it. There's nothing you can do. It's not based upon a merit system. It's not based upon how well you know the Bible. It's not based upon how many scriptures you uh, memorize. It's not based upon how much you give and offer. And I'm going to hurt myself right here. Uh, it's not based upon how often you serve. It's based upon the fact that God loves you and there's nothing you could do to receive his grace but show up. It's unmerited. You don't have to ask God for it. He gave it to you. You you don't have to pray for grace. It's given to you. It's already given. It's unmerited favor. Man, how many of you are familiar with that word favor? And I'm not talking about when somebody says, hey, can you do me a favor? Many of us are familiar with that terminology. Somebody asked me the other day, hey, can you do me a favor? And, and, and favor in, 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 in our vernacular, if you will, in, in our mindset and, and from where our position is as humans, favor is I do something for you uh, bec- and now you owe me something later on. But God's unmerited favor doesn't say that. God's favor is the gift. His favor is no matter what you do or where you go, you still can receive grace. Even, even the former slave traitor Uh, even the person who wrote bad things about jesus uh, even a person like me who was a wretch who thought he was god yes it's unmerited yes it is favor it is a gift that goes wherever you go no matter what the word grace itself is found in the entire bible 170 times within 159 verses that tells me alone that it's very important part of the ministry it's a very important part of our faith 170 times it is mentioned the word within 159 verses grace means that in the old testament when you sinned you were sentenced to death Grace means that in the New Testament, when you sin, you are forgiven. As a matter of fact, your sins died with Jesus upon the cross. Now, hold on. Y'all might get confused. It doesn't mean when Jesus was resurrected, your sins were resurrected with him. No, your sins remain dead. And now when you sin, no longer are you punished by because of your sin. You receive grace by God. So, So are you saying, Pastor, that I have license to sin? I am not saying that. I'm not giving you license to sin. I'm not saying that, oh, oh, well, God is going to give me some grace, so I'm going to go ahead and look at some pornography. No, 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 no. I'm not saying that. I'm not, I'm not saying that, oh, 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 I'm going to go ahead and be with so-and-so person uh, out of wedlock because God is going to extend grace. He will, but that's not what I'm saying. What I am saying is, 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 is that you have to embrace this gift called grace. And the way you do that, the hand that receives the gift of grace is the hand of repentance. 
I'm going to talk about that a little bit later in week two. But the hand that opens this gift, this wonderful, unmerited gift of favor is the hand of repentance. Uh, oh, got quiet in here when I talked to, about that because that means it will require work. It will require something for you to do. The thing about grace is, it's, it's, watch this, it's unearned, it's undeserved, and you can't repay it. The part that trips me out about that is that it's undeserved. Really, in other words, if I commit a sin, if I do something to somebody, God should not extend grace. If, if I do something to Joseph, I offend Joseph, Joseph shouldn't automatically say, you know what, be it's all good. I don't deserve that. In the Old Testament, Joseph would look at me an eye for an eye. Is that what the Old Testament says? You offended me, I'm going to offend you worse. But because of grace, Joseph can look at me and say, B, you know what? I messed up too. We're good. Let's start this thing over. God has forgiven me. Let me, let me give you all some scriptures so you all can say we went to church today. Grace in the New Testament, you find it begins in John 1, verse 15 through 17. And I'm going to give you all some Greek and stuff after a while. Y'all going to really feel like theologians when you leave here today. John testified about him when he shouted to the crowds, this is the one I was talking about when I said someone is coming after me who is far greater than I am, for he existed long before me, greater than I am. Now, y'all know, let me pause, put your finger right there, don't leave. John was already preaching the good news. As a matter of fact, if you read the Bible, you will find that John had his own crew of disciples. Uh, John had a crew that he was developing and sharing the, the gospel with. He was trying to build something, but he knew he was not the Messiah. They did not. So here we find him in this conversation, in this dialogue, if you will, with his disciples saying, I know y'all dig me. I know y'all been following me for a long time. I know that y'all think that I am the one, but listen, I am not the one. If you think that you struck gold by hanging out with me, baby, you ain't seen nothing yet. The true one, the one who, who, who can give you grace is far greater than I, and he is coming. He, he's, he's setting them up. Let me continue on. Verse 16. I just want to put this in context for you. So as I continue to read, you can follow along. He says this to them. From his abundance, we have all received one gracious blessing after another. In the Greek, that particular line is grace upon grace. We've received Grace upon grace. Let me say it again. We've received favor upon favor, unmerited favor upon favor. For the law was given through Moses, but God's unfailing love and faithfulness came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God, but the unique one who himself is God is near the father's heart. He has, re he has revealed God to us for the law was given through who Moses but God's unfailing love and faithfulness came through Jesus Christ 
That scripture brought so much life to me this week. I think I said earlier, and I won't beat this up too much, this was probably one of the most difficult weeks of my life this year. No, not of my life altogether. I've had some real hell. I've been in hell. I've, I've, <laughs> I've had real hell. But this year, this was probably one of the most challenging and most difficult. And, 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 and in my darkest and most difficult hour, as I pressed my way through and prepared this message for you, this particular scripture read out loud to me and the part that got me the most and brought me to crying was the part that says this God's unfailing love watch this and faithfulness I get the love part but faithfulness in other words son I won't bring you this far to depart from you Uh, Son, I I wouldn't tell you that I know the plans I have for you and they are good and then lie to you. Uh, I wouldn't do all the things that I promised you and then turn my back on you. I know you know I love you, but I'm faithful too. So don't you dare give up. Don't you dare bow your head. Don't you dare start your pity party. Son, I've got something greater for you. And it is my grace. Oh, my God, thank you. And oh, my God, this came alive to me. I read that in, in, in a moment where I was just, I mean, I'm not going to lie. Some of y'all been where I was at, where you're just pushing yourself through prayer. You're pushing yourself to pray. You're like, God, you, you, you said that the Holy Spirit is, is, uh, is sending utterances on my behalf. I need some utterance because I don't have a word. I'm so beat down right now. I'm so broken, God. I need you to, and he said, open the Bible. Let me show you something. And he showed me that, and I says, oh, hallelujah. And this particular pericope, that scripture for those who have not gone to Bible school, it says that this word grace, and we'll find it throughout the entire New Testament, this word grace. Anytime you see this word grace, uh, this word in the Greek, it literally means charis. The word grace in Greek means charis. Uh, the, the, the word grace, every time you see it in the entire New Testament, translates to the Greek definition, which means charis. Now, now what does charis mean? Charis means joy. It, 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 it means pleasure. It means delight. Uh, watch this. It's the merciful kindness by which God, exerting his holy influence upon souls, turns them to Christ, keeps and strengthens, increases them in Christian faith, knowledge, affection, and kindles them to the exercise of Christian virtues. I know that was a lot. So let me break it down. Caris. Grace, it's that same joy I found when I was broken and God says, open the Bible and I found myself in John 1. It's that same joy that filled me and got rid of and eradicated the pain or misery I was in. It's the same pleasure I received knowing that he is not just a loving God, but he's a faithful God. I feel like preaching this morning. I really do. Uh, It's the same pleasure and delight I get knowing that he knows the plans he has for my life and they are good and not for disaster to give me a hope and a future. I feel like preaching this morning. It's the same goodness. It's the same charis. It's the same joy. 
joy that I have knowing that he is Jehovah Jireh, my provider. It's the same joy and peace I have when dying, when times are tough, times are hard, times are rough, but he becomes Jehovah Shalom and gives me the great peace. God, I feel like preaching in here this morning. Woo! Oh my goodness. Leave that piano alone. You're going to make me do something. Woo, Lord Jesus. Yes. Caris. So whenever you see that word grace and you wonder what it means, it's that joy, unspeakable joy that when you understand it at the very depths and core of its definition, it, 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 it really brings some things to light. So when God says, here is the grace, I extend my grace to you. What he's saying is, I know right now things don't look great. I know right now what you wrote in your journal is that you want more. But watch this. What I'm giving you right now is greater than what you could even fathom. It's a joy that surpasses and a peace that surpasses all of your earthly understanding. Oh, so that's what that, that unmerited favor is. Yes. The problem with a lot of us is that we seek happiness. Oh, I want to be happy. Lord, I just, if I could just be happy like I used to be. And God says, look at what you just said. Happy like you used to be. Happy like you used to be. In that statement is the definition of happy. Happy is fleeting. In other words, it used to be. It's a thing that happens seasonally. It's not a permanent transformation of your heart. But joy, my goodness, is the things that I've cemented in your very core of your soul. Good God, I feel like preaching in here today. Where am I? Woo. All right, Holy Spirit, I see what you're trying to do now. Stop searching for happiness and ask God for joy. God, extend the caress upon me because joy never goes away. Joy is unspeakable. Joy is untransferable. Joy, God gives joy directly to you. Matter of fact, when he sends or deposits joy in you, your name is attached to the joy he deposits in your spirit. In other words, the joy he gives Will, he won't give to Miss Charlie. The joy he gives to Miss Charlie, it won't go over to Nikki. He has to give you a specific deposit directly to your line, to your bank account, and your spirituality and sometimes we want everybody else's joy uh, sometimes sorry camera uh, sometimes we want I want Brian's joy and, and what did I say earlier about mathematics the magnitude of your praise is directly proportional to the hell that God brought you through so when I look at Brian and I see him having a specific type of caris in him and I say I want that same caris I don't know the hell that God has already brought him through so I'm saying God give me my own DNA of caris give me my own portion of caris give me my own stuff of grace wow I feel like preaching in here this morning you getting some of this Gerald Whoa. Give me my own portion of caris and stop seeking happiness because it's fleeting. It'll come and it'll go. Oh, but then after we leave the Gospels from John 1, God anointed this wonderful man called the Apostle Paul, uh, who had a moment, an encounter with God while he was on the road to a place called Damascus. Don't let me go over on time. Watch me, y'all. And so Paul becomes this great apostle. And Paul is going all around the world, literally taking the scripture literal and saying he's going to share the gospel to the ends of the earth. 
And so Paul finds himself preaching to a church in Ephesus. Now he began that ministry in the book of Acts, if you read it. And so he's having conversation with the book of, uh, with the people in the church of Ephesus. And he writes to them and he says these words in Ephesians 2, verses 4 through 9. He says, God saved you by your good works and your good deeds and the amount of offering you give. It didn't say that. Oh, it says God saved you by his grace. God saved you by his grace. When you what? Believed. I'll keep on going. It's just not getting in there. I'm going to have y'all shouting in just a few minutes. Uh, Anybody got running shoes on? I want y'all to get this. It says, and God saved you by his grace when you believed. Any believers in the house? All right. Got your running shoes on. Here we go. And you can't take credit for this. In other words, you can't say, oh, man, because I serve so well, because I give so often, I haven't missed a Sunday in 100 years, and I'm not 100 years old. I've been coming to church before I was in my mama's womb. No, you can't take credit for this. This is, And you can't take credit for this. It is a what? A gift from God. Salvation. Ooh, this is a good part. Watch the difference in the words. Salvation is not a reward for good things we have done, so none of us can boast about it. Pause. Put your finger right there. I'm not saying don't stop what you're doing. But what I am saying is if what you're doing is in hopes of receiving this favor that you can't even ask for, you're doing it in void. You're doing it void of the purpose of it. If you're serving, if you're giving in hopes of receiving this unmerited favor, you've missed the point. Salvation that God gives you is not a reward for the works you do. It's a gift you receive automatically. Real quick story, and I want to finish the scripture. I remember, and some of y'all may have parents like mine, I remember back in the day, uh, these headphones came out. Right, and they like the, the headphones had everything attached to it. So in other words, you put the headphones on, and the radio was there. You know, they, they had just transitioned from headphones attached to a device. Y'all know what I'm talking about? And they were Sony. It was right before the Sony Walkman came out. And my dad was like, "Nobody's got these, I guarantee." And so Christmas came, and 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 we get the gift, and the gift was wrapped nice, and and I open it up, and I'm looking at these headphones, and I'm like, "Oh, cool." Yeah, put the batteries in, put them on, put on my favorite station. I'm like, yeah, this is cool. My father's like, do you not realize the gift that I just gave you? Nobody your age in your neighborhood at your school has it. It's a very precious gift, son. Uh, you, what I've given you, I've like researched. I've gone to the ends of the earth to make sure you were one of the first to have it. And all you're going to give me is, oh, wow, this is really nice, dad. And God is saying, I extended salvation to you when I should have been extending death to you. And all you can do is, hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Betty, all you can do is say, I went to church on Sunday. Uh, You ain't posting nothing about what the pastor said. You ain't sharing your gospel with people. Your testimony is just yours. Nobody know you've been through hell and back. You keeping quiet to yourself. And God says, if you don't open up your mouth, how will they know that I can give them a gift called grace? Goodness, that's good. I see what the Holy Ghost is trying to do this morning. 
And that was my dad. If you don't show me you appreciate this gift, I will never give it to you again. Get what everybody else has. If you're going to keep quiet about my grace that I extend to you without you even asking, you can't go to this. I don't care if you Donald Trump. I don't care if you were the richest man in the world. You cannot buy this thing called grace. There's a story in the Bible where a man wanted to buy grace. If you read it or somebody wanted to purchase that, how can I get this anointing? How can I get this thing? Can I, can I pay for it? And you cannot buy it. It's a gift freely given, but the hand that uh, opens up the gift is the hand of repentance. Oh, man, let me continue this scripture, man. I, I thought for sure I was going to see somebody, boom. All right, I, I look too deep into it. Holy Ghost, help me. It says, for we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus. So we can do... The good things he planned for us long ago. I hate when preachers like be sipping on water while they're preaching, but in order for me to get this out, I got to. God created us as his masterpiece. Let me help you all understand what a masterpiece is. A masterpiece can be replicated, but the value of the original work of art, (laughs) come on, the masterpiece can be replicated, but the value of the original work of art, its value never decreases. The replication is valueless. You can spend a few hundred dollars on a replication, but the masterpiece, it value, watch this, over time increases. So what are you saying? Let me make it plain. You, 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 everybody in here is God's perfect work of art. We are his masterpiece. And every time, like the Bible said, he extends grace upon grace upon grace, our value just increase because he's deposited more of him in us. Every time he extends grace upon grace upon grace, we become more valuable in his sight. The world may not see it, but they're not going to get us into heaven anyhow. God sees it. He knows it. And, and, and every time he deposits it, deposits caris upon caris upon caris we become more valuable oh man this morning i think i'm preaching i think i think that makes sense to me we are his masterpiece he has created us anew in christ jesus so we can do the good things he planned for us long ago some of us take this grace and do the good things we want to do that were not part of his plan for us. And then we wonder, God, why aren't you speaking to me? And God is saying, I spoke to you. I even responded to your prayer request. But the good that I gave you, you didn't use it for my good. You used it for personal gain. I'm still speaking, but you've turned a deaf ear toward me. I'm not talking to nobody in here. I'm talking to your friends at work, those who should be here. God extends this grace. Okay, so, so after he's talking to the church in Ephesus, Paul goes on and he's talking to these people in Rome. Now the thing about the people that were in Rome, they were already 
familiar with the gospel. As a matter of fact, if we really read the book of Romans, you'll see in there, uh, these were already some practicing Christians. So Paul goes to them. These were practicing Jewish Christians, if you will. And Paul goes to them and he's sharing this thing called grace. Now, here's what I want you all to do on your time. And trust me, and I'm going to trust that you'll do this. It'll bless your life. If you read Romans chapter 5, everything you need to know about grace is right there. Uh, stories about how grace is extended, uh, information about how grace can be extended to you and how you should receive it. Uh, everything you need to know about grace you can find in Romans 5, but I want to share with you what Paul said to this group of Christians who were already there uh, in Romans 5. Now, let me tell you something else. Uh, the reason he writes this letter to this group is because they're facing persecution. Uh, they're already facing some major persecution. Uh, the government is after them, and, and, and they're, they're, they're losing faith. Uh, they're, they're feeling like we failed in this thing. We haven't done our part. Uh, uh, I, don't, I don't know about you, but that's how I find myself sometimes. Uh, as the pastor, God, I've, I've failed uh, somehow, some way. I haven't uh, lived up to your approval, God. Uh, uh, as a Christian, I've, I've failed some way. I, I haven't done everything you've called me to do. I haven't been the best Christian I can be. And so here's the, the Roman, the church in Rome. Uh, they're having this same situation. Uh, we, we, we started this thing right, but for some reason, we, we, we failed. And so they're, they're losing their faith. And Paul says, hold on, wait now, wait, wait a minute, Shorty. Let me tell you something now. Let me tell you something. So he writes them a letter. And if you'll meet me in Romans 5 and chap, uh, chapter 5 and verse 17, here's what he says to them. He says, I know y'all been sinning. I know y'all been cutting up, but let me tell you something. For the sin of this one man, Adam, caused death to rule over many. So the law back then in the Old Testament meant if you sinned, uh, you were killed. And depending on the sin, you may not have been killed, but a part of your flesh could be killed. In other words, if you stole, you chop your hand off. If you rape somebody, well, you can figure that out. It was death. If you were caught in the act of adultery, uh, they would stone you to death, whatever the case may be. Okay? Y'all still with me? But that was all because of what? What Adam did. Now, sisters, y'all going to thank me. Notice he never mentioned Eve. Brothers, how long have we been blaming Eve for making Adam? All right? The Bible don't say that. The Bible clearly says, right, King David? He says right here, he says, hey, <laughs> because of the sin of one man, not his woman, just the one man. So leave the sisters alone, brothers. <laughs> sisters say hallelujah. For the sin of this one man, Adam, caused death to rule over many. Here's the greater but even greater is God's wonderful grace and his gift of righteousness for all who receive it will live in triumph over sin and death through this one man, Jesus Christ. There's something about the name Jesus that still, whoa. One morning this week, I was struggling so bad in my prayer life, I just couldn't say nothing but Jesus. The week was rough. It was, it was just crazy. It was like one thing after another. And I'm praying and I'm reading the Bible and I said, Jesus, Jesus, oh, Jesus. 
And I just kept saying Jesus. And I just kept saying Jesus. And the more I said Jesus, the more he showed me. Son, you remember when you were about eight years old and that lady asked you to come to the room and she molested you. My Jesus. And we all oh, Jesus, thank you. Son, remember the time the male babysitter tried to take advantage of your backside. But I saved you then. I put somebody to knock on the door. I said, oh, Jesus, thank you. He says, son, remember the time you were in the car with your sister's alcoholic father and you were drinking from a glass Pepsi bottle and he hit the pole and knocked all of your fronts out. Your lip is scarred today because of it. The pole split the car. I said, oh, thank you, Jesus. He says, son, remember the time when you were there, when you, uh, your mom was in an abusive relationship and the guy nearly beat your mom to death, but I found a way for y'all to be safe and sound away from Omaha, Nebraska and back up in New York. I said, oh, Jesus, thank you. He says, son, do you remember the time when somebody broke in the house when your mother and the family was there and he put a knife up to your sister's neck and raped your mom while, the two, while all three of y'all were under the cover. He could have killed everyone, but he just took your mother's personal stuff and then y'all were gone. I said, oh, Jesus, thank you. He said, remember the time when you denied me, but I still showed up and called you my heir and you still have access to all that I promised. I said, oh, Jesus, thank you. All I just kept going on and on. I was in there for about two hours. My face was a wreck. Snot coming down my nose. My hair was jacked up. Sweat was all over my body. And I just laid there flat on my belly saying thank you. So it went from Jesus to just thank you. There's something about the name of Jesus. If you just say it a couple times and get it in your spirit, he will show you how he's always been in your life. Oh my goodness this morning. Y'all don't mind if I testify for a moment. I know some of y'all just heard some of this news about my little rough life. I didn't have an easy childhood. It was crazy because as an adult, I found out I was the result of a booty call. Literally, it was a dare. But oh, God saw something in me. The old people used to look at me and say, that boy right there, he going to be somebody. Oh, that boy right there, there's something different about him. Uh, that boy right there, I thought it was just that I was cute with curly hair. I thought that was the difference because I was, but that wasn't it. I thought it was because I could rap back in the days, uh, but that wasn't it. I thought it was because I was charming. Uh, uh, that, that wasn't it. I thought it was because I could drum like nobody else back in the day. Oh, but that wasn't it. Uh, what that special something that the old folks saw in me was Jesus. There's something about the name Jesus, and I'm going to wrap it right, right here. Oh, God, this is good. God takes the rubble or the failures of our lives. He takes the mess, the junk, the stuff that we hate to even remember. He takes the worst parts of our lives, the rubble, and he builds up something that will outlast anything we could ever imagine. He builds us up for his kingdom. 
He takes everything that we looked at as mess. He look, takes everything that we looked at as false. He takes everything that we looked at as sin, unworthiness, disqualification. He says, no, that's perfect because I'm going to take that rubble and I'm going to create one of the greatest kingdoms that has ever been. And it's going to start in you. God takes the rubble of our lives and makes it redeemable for his purpose. If you find yourselves under attack from the enemy this week, I want to encourage you. God's grace is greater than your sin. God's grace is greater than your mess. God's grace is greater than your fear. It's greater than your disqualification. As a matter of fact, God never disqualified you. Man did. It's greater than what you see in your bank account. God's grace is greater than your hurt. God's grace is greater than your brokenness. His grace is greater than anything you could ever imagine. And if you feel like I felt, and I'm going to close right here. You might as well get get ready. If you feel like the devil has been chasing you, the Bible gives us clear instruction. When you face trials of any kind, count it all joy. Now, isn't interesting that that word joy translated in the Greek means the same thing, charis? So whenever you're facing trials of any kind, count it all charis, count it all grace. As a matter of fact, if you feel like you've been running from the devil, that's good news. The devil ain't going to mess with nobody who don't have promise in them. Woo-wee, that's good. If the devil is after you, he sees something in you. He sees promise in you. He sees potential in you. And he feels that if he can just grab you, he can steal it. You keep on running. You keep on moving. And don't you dare look back. You keep on trekking. You tell the devil, kick rocks, fool. You ain't got nothing on me. I'm headed toward my promise. I'm headed toward my destiny. Oh, if the devil's chasing you, count it all joy because there's promise in you by the grace of God. I'm done. Thank you for joining us today. Our prayer is that Pastor B said something that moves you closer to Jesus. If you enjoy listening to our podcast, we would like to invite you to follow us on social media at Mosaic Mableton and visit us on our website at wearemosaicchurch.org. You can learn more information about our church, ways to support our ministry through financial donations, stay updated on upcoming events, and find resources to support your spiritual journey. We would be delighted to welcome you in person on Sunday mornings to worship and connect with others. Our doors are always open to those seeking a place to grow and explore their faith. Thanks for tuning in and may God bless you on your spiritual journey.